Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to episode 30 of the Open Homestead in UK podcast. How are you doing, Mike? You all right? All right. Yeah. Is it 30? Episode 30, mate, yeah. 30. Never thought we'd do 30. Although there's actually only 28 and 20. This will be the 29th out in the wild, won't it? Yeah, because there's the, the, the missing... The lost episode. The lost episode. Yeah. Have you actually still got it? Yeah. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Most of it's pretty dodgy, isn't it? Let's well, if we fair. make it to 10 years, mate, I'll put it out, all right? Or just T-shirts that say, I've heard the lost episode. <laughs> yes. Yes, that'd be so cool. <laughs> there must be some people out there who did listen to it. But uh, so what, if you did listen to it, put it on the Facebook group. Tell us you're one of those uh, unfortunate few that heard that nonsense right at the beginning yeah, when we was, first started was, out. There weren't a lot of it, was there? Most of it was like... <laughs> well, was, we did it on the phone, didn't we? So the quality was not good. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so we're here for episode 30, mate. And um, obviously, you know, we're a little bit late because we... We were going to try and do something last week and we went, what have we got to talk about? And we... Yeah, there was an element of keeping it fresh and wanting it to be real rather than making, yep. you know, talk for talk's sake. I think that's always going to be the case. We don't want it to be any old guff, do we? We want it to be real. Yeah. With a dog in the background scratching. Scratching his arse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so apologies, we're, we're a week late, but we wanted to make sure that we had something to talk about that was kind of meaningful because as we've both commented in recent sort of weeks and months... It's been a bit of a, well, a bit more downtime recently, hasn't there, I guess, or, or time doing other things rather than necessarily homesteading we might want to talk about in this forum, at least. Yeah, and, and even though, even though they're not, it's not direct, I think it has, you know, it's linking in, isn't it? Because probably I've been concentrating more on getting a job right in this yep. last little bit before I move on and do yep. something different. So it is, because I've got a long-term plan of where I'm going and what I'm doing, but there is always that little bit which is... Um, Kind of ticking away in the background of the next bit, the next bit, the next well, bit. But for me as well, it's, it is a bit of a bit. It's funny how you talk about natural rhythms. For me, it's part of the natural rhythm, the natural cycle of the year. And we're at a point where, for me at least, there's not so much to do outside. There no. are other things to do inside. And I'll talk about some of those a bit later on because I've done quite a bit inside. Yeah. But it is very much more um, kind of sedate and gentle and there's less rush. It's less charging around. Some of the things that I've got to do are not as urgent as no. perhaps they are when there's things growing and things are in pots and they're getting pot bound and it's dry and yeah. everything needs watering and the urgency that you get in the summertime particularly. So, um, so from that point of view, it's been a bit more chill. So that's obviously the explanation for the delay. Yeah. But um, we were, and I think we'll do things a bit around about if, if you're happy to do that. Mm, yeah. we were, we, we, as we do, we've met up tonight and we're just to, just you know chewing the fat and, and we were talking away and literally said we should be recording this. Yeah, because that's so, what happens to us. So. And we've always wanted this to be that. Yeah. You know, whatever happens and however it goes, I would still not count myself an expert in any of this. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I think that that's part of the reason why it comes across like it does with people and maybe it resonates with them is that we are... Just two fellas trying to do our best. We are we? trying to do the same thing that most people here on here are listening to us are trying to do. Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. And uh, we find out different ways of th- through getting that that solution that we're looking for. But ultimately, we're all trying to do the same things, aren't we? And but we are doing it. We're definitely doing it. We're doing it, and not just you know talking about no. it. You know, absolutely. We are trying to learn skills and practice mm. and getting things wrong all the blooming time and all that. Mm. But. We are practising what we preach. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so, so we were literally talking, weren't we? And, and we'll, we'll come on to kind of all the other stuff we normally do a bit later on, I yeah. think. But we were literally talking about a hermit fella you were yeah. telling me about. Do you want to just share I was that? watching. Let me tell I was watching. I keep forgetting the name of where he lives. 
I watched this great programme on the BBC iPlayer called The Hermit of Trigue about this guy who'd had some difficulties in life and then came back to the UK and then has now spent 40 years of his life uh, living in a really remote part in the Scottish Islands. No road access, you know, walking only. Fishing for his dinner every day, growing his vegetables and his fruit, foraging everywhere um, and kind of like living off his writing a little bit and maybe doing some photography, but just on his own, mm. you know, and people go out and speak to him and visit him and probably see him as all different kinds of things, but he's literally a guy who just wanted to turn his back on the sort of more conventional way of life. Mm. And I, I think that that's something that, as we've been talking about, really does resonate with us both and certainly is one of the driving forces of my change of lifestyle that I'm hoping to make and yep. don't get me wrong I'm still going into a job where I need to earn some money to pay bills and do all yep. of those things but I suppose we have this vision in our mind of what we want and this for me is very much some really big steps yeah, yeah. <laughs> to get to where I might be able to do some of those yeah. things and whether that's in five years or when I retire mm. or whatever it is um, but you know, I've done a lot of thinking about it and I'm certainly not the same as I was pre-COVID mm -hmm. uh, outbreak to where I am now. And, that, and I know listening to lots of media and, pro, and programs and reading lots of things is I'm not alone in that. I'm not alone mm. in making some life changes after COVID mm. and wanting to or feeling the need to. I think there's a lot of people who, if they were forced to work from home a bit more, mm. they might have had a slightly different work-life balance yeah they might have maybe felt that some of the values of the nine-to-five drudge yeah maybe don't sit as easy as they perhaps did when you're in that rut um, and I've always been blessed you know working in education as we do with I always felt a very good balance between you know home and work but I just know that the opportunities that I wanted to do in my life, if I wasn't going to do them now, I probably wouldn't have done them, you know, for, for many reasons. But, you know, on its most basic level, f fitness wise, you know, as, I, as I'm getting on, it might be that I wouldn't have had the energy and the drive and the physical skills to do, do some of the things that I want to do. So it was really a chance to do those things, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think COVID has changed a lot yeah. of people. Well, you were talking with that the Hermit of Trig. The programme you watched about the heritage of the fellow, weren't you? You mentioned about he, had, he went through quite a traumatic experience he himself, didn't he? He had a huge traumatic experience <laughs> where he um, he was attacked and in a coma for a bit. And then when he came out of that, he really wanted to get away from it. He was a Scottish guy. And then so he went and spent two years exploring and living in the wilderness up in the Yukon. Um, and then when he came home, he wanted... Um, unfortunately, his parents passed away while he was away. So he came home to more trauma and then... Mm just decided that was enough and he wanted to get away and literally walked around Britain grieving for his parents yeah. but looking for somewhere to to put some roots down and he just found this little patch of isolated woodland on the side of a lock. He didn't know whose land it was or anything like that. I don't think he was concerned. This was in the 70s. Yeah. And he built his log cabin by hand, which is still there, and his garden and all of that. And I mean, obviously, it sits on an estate and I think that as time has gone by, he's just been a guy who lives on the estate. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, and I know that when he passes away, um, and the kind of and the and the film follows that. I'm not going to give too much away because people might want to watch it. It's on the BBC iPlayer. Um, it was nice to see how he'd been almost 
he was part of that landscape now. He wasn't just some guy who was squatting there or something like that. He was very much an integral part of that estate and that landscape. So it was a be- beautiful programme. Mm. Not all easy to watch, though. Mm. You know, some proper heartfelt stuff in there about mm. growing old and, you know, things things um, having to be put in place for when you move on and pass on and stuff like that. It was quite, quite heavy, some of it, but just what shone through was the guy, and he talks beautifully as well about nature and, mm. and the simplicity of life he was after. A lot of nostalgia, a lot of poignant moments and conversations and just his deep love of nature, really. Mm. Be- beautiful programme. So I would advise everyone to watch it if you mm. haven't seen well, it. It sounds like people that listen to this would be interested in this. Like, yeah, imagine very much so. Yeah. That kind even of if you just learn one thing. That kind of got us onto a little bit about our origin stories, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Where I went, actually, we should just stop. Just stop, just stop, stop McCall, just, yeah. Because you were saying that, you know, you, you're at art, a country boy, and if you knew now, if you knew then what you knew now, you probably yeah. wouldn't have done all the, the learning. No, no, that, absolutely not, no. Mm. And I, I probably should have followed in the foot. And the, I think the thing was in those days, you know, you went to school, and it's, we were talking about like the, the late 80s, really, I suppose. I'm, I'm 45, so um, you, go, you go to school and you get careers advice, don't you? And, uh, and then well, you, I got some. And you get, you, you get some questions, and I think it was just the beginning of the computer programs when I was at school, so. You put like you type into the computer what you like doing, right? And then the computer would say you should be a police officer. Did they say you should be a copper? No, I think I forget what they said I should be, mate. But but that, that was literally it was like policeman, postman, yeah. like you know, and yeah. teacher, uh, and and it's like really, really like random. And, and actually, what's really interesting is that the jobs that our kids are going to do now when they grow up probably don't exist yet. Certainly, certainly for my younger ones. No, no. I mean, mine not for yours, but mine. I've got one who's just about to go to university and. Mm. She's going to follow in my and my and my wife's kind of footsteps of yeah. art and yeah. going down that. But even just going around and looking at art colleges have changed yeah. in, in, in the visits. It's incredible. And yeah. she's gearing more towards textiles. So, yeah. But looking at the sustainability of textiles, yeah. growing your own textiles, yeah. certainly about reusing and all of that and the, yeah. and, the, and, the, and, the, and the complete antithesis of fast fashion and all of this yeah. is amazing ethical fashion mm. but she's into the textile making which is a beautiful lovely thing yeah. to see but I don't know maybe, maybe we're all just feeling real nostalgia about it but um, <clears throat> for me there's always this element you know I was looking at her and she was when I got home tonight she was got, had a sewing machine out and she was making oh, some nice. stuff and that and then I was thinking back to my mum, who's a real keen crocheter. Yeah. And then I had a conversation with my mum, funnily enough, tonight, and I was just saying, look, you know, and she's shown me how to crochet before, and mm. I would like to have that skill, because yeah. I know that, you know, we've, and I hope she lasts for another 50 years, but my mum probably won't last for another 50 years, yeah. but that's a skill that I would like to get from her. It was a real craft, real mm. craft, and then pass that on to my kids later on down the line as well. So it's just, I don't know, maybe we're all in that place around this time of the year where we take stock and then think about a lot of things. Well, I think it's a, it's a sensible time of year, and as you know, my family's suffered a bereavement recently, so inevitably for us, there's going to be a certain amount yeah, of, yeah. of taking stock. Reflection, yeah, and, and where am I, and where am I going? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and I guess, you know, thinking back when I was, I don't know, 17, 18, thinking about going off to university, what I probably ought to have done is bought a field in a caravan, and I'd probably still be living in it now. No, you wouldn't. Um, You'd have built a hut happy. by now, mate. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe. But if it was just me, I wouldn't bother. But um, <laughs> it's, it's really interesting, the choices you make. And, and I, thought, I was funny, I was talking to one of our colleagues today about how, I suppose they call it the butterfly effect or something, where some what seemingly innocuous decisions that you make yeah. have huge impacts on your life, if you think yeah. back. Yeah. And there are certain crossroads that sometimes you don't even realise they're crossroads. No, no. They kind of sneak up on you and then you look back and 20 years later you realise you've been going down this path that you yeah. perhaps 
wouldn't have chosen. Yeah, you, you say. Know, I don't know if you can say you wouldn't have because no, I would. I probably would have done. To be fair, but yeah. Um, but no, there was there was one. There's one in particular that I was kind of just thinking. Oh, what was that when that teacher said you shouldn't do art? <laughs> <laughs> that was priceless. That was. <laughs> Don't do art, Alan. <laughs> no, no, what she, said, what she said was, and she was my form tutor, so I knew it reasonably well. What she actually said was, don't you think you'd be better off doing something else? <laughs> like, which is a, which is a really gentle way of saying you can't draw apples. You're mate. rubbish, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what we ever did in school, right? Draw apples. Yeah. yeah. Apples and oranges. But <laughs> I suppose the other side of it is that, you know, our, our view of what, of what skills we learn... You know, if I think back to what I'm doing now, or what my interests are, and what they're doing now, I didn't have any opportunities to do those things when I was younger. Mm. I didn't. I certainly didn't. So I didn't. In your, in your family grew. I didn't even have an extended family who were growing vegetables. No one I know had an allotment. No one I know had an allotment. Not at all. And 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 even though I was quite close to um, London in rural in Essex, you know, there, there was space there. It wasn't as if there weren't allotments or gardens or what have you, but my mum and dad, both shift workers, they, they didn't have time to run an allotment. No, no, no chance, no well, chance. But my didn't. grandparents didn't either. Mm. Um, you know, it wasn't in them, you know. And I think that there was a time, wasn't there, if you were living close to London and you were working in a ser- in service um, trades or, or on, on shift work, like my mum and dad were, it, there was that cultural shift around the Second World War finishing where I don't have to grow it, I can buy it. And there was definitely that element. And and I'm not saying that it was a snobbery there, but I think that people were enjoyed their leisure time, Mm. you know, and their leisure time was based on different things, certainly Mm. in my family anyway. Um, Whereas I think that if I went back to my great-grandparents' time, I would imagine they all grew fruit and vegetables. It's just that I don't know any of those skills. It's it's, it's really interesting because none of my family ran allotments either. Well, they all lived in the countryside. Yeah, your grandparents did though, didn't they? My grandparents and my great-grandparents all had... Veggie uh, patches. Veggie patches in their gardens. Garden, but they yeah. were living in the equivalent of 1920s council houses, yeah, yeah. which typically had enormous gardens. Yeah, they did. They used to have a whopper, didn't they? Like, my, but I could just think about it now. My, my, both my grandparents lived in houses with gardens that were in excess of 100 feet long. Yeah, that's massive, isn't it? And they were pretty wide as well, because they tend to be like semi-detached houses. Yeah. Yeah. So and often they had the wraparound garden, so you got yeah. the front and then you got a bit down the side, and then the length of it. So absolutely vast plots, and so it was quite feasible for them to grow more than enough vegetables yeah. and fruit for their entire family all year yeah. round. Yeah, and we and I never saw that. I never ever saw that. You know, the closest I got to fruit, seeing fruit and vegetables in any way, was my dad coming in from working in central London, yeah. talking me through where the because he knew the. Guys on the fruit stalls really yeah. well. Yeah. You passed them every day. Yeah. Proper brown paper bags, you yeah, know. Yeah. And he would come over and he would say, "Oh, look, you know, mate, he's giving me these for us to try. These are these oranges from here and these yeah. apples from there." And, and I remember that, you know. So the food was important, really important. Mm. But um, where it came from and stuff like that was more the conversation, not growing. How do you grow it? That was totally alien. Yeah. Uh, totally alien to me. In fact, I'm just sitting here now trying to think of when did I grow personally. <laughs> The first food I ever ate. Yeah. And I, I don't know if... It wasn't that long ago. I can't remember it. It was probably here. That's what, five years ago then? Yeah. Surely something like not. that. Well, no, because I wouldn't have... I never did it before that. I might have grown herbs at home, right? In yeah. pots. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Never grew anything. Wow. I find that really... That's amazing. Well, that's the journey though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. 
I'm, I'm I, just, yeah, I just imagine yeah. that you've been doing it for longer. No, no, no. Because you do all the other things, you know, like yeah. with the chickens and the bees. And but that all happened. And the... Yeah, but that all happened, you know, I, and I, you know, I, I don't know if I've even spoke of that before, but I know that certainly when I was in my 20s and my early 30s, all I was doing was looking after my kids. Yeah. I was, that was, I was dad. And we'd go right. for walks and, yeah. you know, down the woods and muck around and a bit of this and a bit of that. But if I'm thinking about my own story... Probably the first thing that I did, it's really weird, is probably learn to fish when I was working in Seaford. Yeah. That's probably it. Yeah. Learning to fish. And around that time, then I saw that guy when I moved, 2000, I moved to the house I'm in now. And that's when I saw the guy with the bees. Yeah. Around 2001, 2002. Yeah. So that's about 18 years ago now. Yeah. But... You know, I didn't have my own hives till 2010, probably. Yeah, no, you... 2013, 2014. I lent you the book with my story in it, didn't I? Yeah. That's around then. 2009, I think, you had your own hives. Yeah, 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 around then. So you've been, or it might be 2008, because I think you've been doing it five or six years before I came and joined yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, that's that's amazing to me, because for me, the I grew up with it. Yeah. So literally everybody around me, I mean, I remember my great-granddad's chickens in his garden and yeah. his apple tree. No, my God, the apples off that apple tree, yeah, mate. None of that. Oh, None of that. Amazing. Can't in fact, I can tell you how the chickens came about. My wife, who's a primary school teacher, hatched some in class. <laughs> as a, as a, what the hell are we going to do with these now? They're yeah, alive. and there were two peakins. Well, one, one, one peaking cross and another peaking. And there was oh. just two of them. They were little. And then they came back and lived with us. And we used to get quite good eggs off them, actually. Yeah. Um, which is not... And they were in a tiny ark. But that was it. That was the beginning of my journey in homesteading. And literally going to places like Middle Farm... And looking around and doing that, oh, I wish I could, I wish I could, all yeah. that. And then just doing it, yeah, yeah. But what I did have, what I did have growing up where I did was this, like, this back garden of Epping Forest. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, when we were talking, it's no, it's no surprise that for me, that's always the first thing, is the woods and the timber yeah, yeah. and the learning about the history <laughs> of it and working the woodland like that and learning how that ecosystem works and the craft products and all the all the kind of foraging that goes on in there. That kind of was there. Yeah. Not that we... My dad would never let me bring home a mushroom to eat it, for God's no. sake. No, not on your Nelly. Yeah. You know, uh, but he, he did have and does have, as does my mum, a love of nature. Yeah. And so walking around and looking at tracks and yeah. looking at different trees and trying to work out what they are. I had that. I really had that. But n- not a practical man like carving or anything yeah. like that. No, nothing. I used to wreck my mum's... Kitchen knives, trying to learn how to make <laughs> spears and bows and all that. I know that. But you were well popular with that. God, one. if I weren't sharpening pencils with I was doing that. But, but yeah, so in a way that's sad. There's a sadness there. Yeah. Like you, what you were saying is that, with, you know, if I'd have known then what I know now. Yeah. But it's never, ever too late, is it? No, well, that's, that's the view of it, isn't it? That's it, the view it, of it. It is. And, I, and I've considered myself quite an old person now. But I'm really looking forward to learning how to drive. Definitely going to learn how to drive a tractor in the next three months, mate. Yeah, it's going to be great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah? wicked. That's what <laughs> it's all about. Farmer's hat on. Oh, mate, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, it's never too late to learn the skills. Oh. It's never too late to chase that bit of dream, or yeah. or you know, develop another area. So it's funny, isn't it? Because I I remember as a kid having vegetable patches, and then for some reason, somewhere on the way. One of my grandparents got too elderly to do it. The other one eventually passed away. My dad stopped doing it as well. Yeah. I think, no, actually, no, my dad stopped doing it. And then later on, his mum passed away. And so it's always been around me, but there was a period where it wasn't nearly as obvious yeah. in my life, probably in sort of my teenage years. And maybe that's because I was distracted doing other things, you know? 
Um, but when I got my first house, one of the first things I did was yeah. start growing some herbs. That's into you. It was yeah. in you. And, really? then, and then I actually put in for an allotment and it, the timing didn't work. I literally got it and then about two months later I had to move really? out of the house. Yeah, yeah. So never, never, nothing ever happened with it. But I've always grown every time, wherever I've been, yeah. I've, I've found space oh. to grow things. So, and, and, and I was literally only doing herbs in pots yeah. for probably 20 years, yeah. 15 years at least. But you're not motivated me to grow things, don't you? Eating? No. <laughs> what? Making wine. Oh, right. oh yeah. That's <laughs> First thing I ever planted, I think, uh, my own kind of like... Parsnips or something? No. A grapevine. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Make your own vino. Anyway, this is a momentous moment. I have a church, oh, oh. I have a church key in my hand. Well, I'll get mine out as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're having some homemade beer. No, we're not. No, we're, not. <laughs> we're having a couple of berets. <laughs> hey. Cheers, mate. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. <laughs> well, this podcast is just going to be called Christmas and Farts, mate. <laughs> Two of us getting bladdered. <laughs> It'll sound like the original number one by the end of it. No, so it's interesting. And I guess everyone's got their own little kind of origin story, if you like. And. Sometimes you've been on the journey longer than you realise, and sometimes yeah, you haven't. Sometimes you haven't. And, and when you haven't, it's not a barrier to holding your back, is it? No, so, well, I bloody hope not. But what, what, I, what I do think happens is that you meet people along the way, or you see things, or you're inspired by things that bump you along and then challenges you, and you think, I could try that, and I could do that. And, and then some of those things you try out for a bit, and you're like, yeah, I can do that, but it's not really my thing. And, mm. and then other things you might take further and develop and really go for it. And I know that I'm certainly like that. Really like that. Um, and, you know, we're very different, aren't we, in some of the things that we like to do. But yeah. kind of the idea is that if I wanted to kind of oh, ask Alan how to do that, and hopefully likewise the other way around. Absolutely. And, and it is all about that. And there is that community out there of people who want to share those things. And I think it's really growing. I think people are really much, much more interested about being able to be self-sufficient and do those things I think themselves. it's really interesting because uh, you know one of the reasons we, we often hark back to the fact the reason we started doing this podcast in the first place was that the conversations we had with people that we knew yeah. about the things that we do yeah. and and you know the number of times I get asked about you know how's the allotment or what you've been doing or how do you do that yeah how do you how do, do you, that and that's, one, that's a really how do, you, how, how do you what do I do with a bit of sourdough starter how, how do I get into that how do I brew that alcohol how do I make that butter bread or cheese or yogurt or whatever it is there's a number of people that ask me that question even still now in fact more now probably than ever before well yeah and I think conversations are really interesting there is a there is also this kind of bit in when you when you learn something I think certainly for me I was learning things for myself yeah but then there does come a time where you think I'm not talking about making an income out of it but sharing the skill is the first thing isn't it and then and then you, I suppose you choose then whether you want to become an expert in that and you want to kind of have a level of skill that you could teach other people how to yeah. do it rather than just sharing about it. And, mm. and um, that's something I'm acutely aware of and, you know, my little venture is that, you know, in a couple of years, if people want to come and learn how to set up a, hopefully what will be a very <laughs> efficient farm, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, that's something that I could talk about then. People might be genuinely interested in that or starting with pigs or... Whatever it's going to be, you know. Definitely market for, for teaching people yeah. some of these skills without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Because, you know, you get, I mean, one of the reasons I got into the sourdough was that uh, I've made some bread and a friend of, actually it was one of our, our daughter's friend's parents yeah. that came round and we said, oh, come round and have a, have a bit of lunch. Yeah, 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 kids yeah. can have a play date, we'll have something to eat and a glass of wine. 
And uh, he started, I just made a loaf of bread. I think I've made some ricotta cheese that day, yeah. just because I felt like making yeah. it and whatever. So I got that out, I got some you know, olives and whatever other bits that I bought out, and maybe some salad from the allotment or something. And we then got onto the conversation about the bread. And, yeah. and he was then talking about, oh, well, I'll make sourdough. I was like, well, how'd you do that? And yeah. just that story, those little stories, those conversations that open doors, aren't they? And we always talk about that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You've got to have those, haven't you? Yeah. But um, I suppose there's a, there's a big divide, isn't there, between it, it being a bit of a hobby, but then progressing into more... You know, it becomes more integral to how you live rather than just, you know, I do that and then I do that when I've got a bit of spare time. Mm. I think both of us have been knocking on that door for a little while, haven't we? Definitely. And, uh, you know, I, I've been talking to you recently about having been kind of at peace with the fact that I'm an urban homesteader and probably will be for the, certainly the short to medium term future anyway. Yeah. Um, but what's been really good is that I've got kind of got to an extent my family on board. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I kind of go and do a lot of the stuff and I do a lot of it on my own and there's a little bit of help sometimes, but it's mostly me. But there's certainly an acceptance and a, an acknowledgement that what we're doing as a family by me doing those things yeah. is has got to be better for the environment and better for us. And, oh, yeah. You know, like so the, the log burner we've had put in last week, which, by the way, oh, my God. Well, it's been great <laughs> to see that, man. That's fantastic. Well, I get... So I've got that in there, though, but if I can come and get the logs from the woods where you are and bring them home... Yeah, it's a particulate matter to bear in mind, and obviously I need to do the best I can to reduce that. But in terms of carbon emissions, it's much better than my, but all, my guess. And, yeah, stove, absolutely. And, and the particulate matter, from what I understand, is worse. You know, logs make some particulate matter, mm. right? But you're in total control as to how wet that wood is yep. and the quality of the firewood yep. and how good it is when you burn it. Yep. Um, and certainly buying green and wet wood <clears throat> off a garage forecourt or from a dealer, if you don't know the dealer that well, um, is what would contribute to that. Mm. And I only know that because my chimney sweep tells me that my yeah. chimney, I, I don't need to have it swept every year. Mm. I, I have it swept every year, but mm. you just said I can tell from what, what I get how mm. good the wood is that you're burning and yeah. how, you know, and how ef- effective and efficient it is. So yeah. your stove's going to be a million times more efficient than mine, so... Hopefully, you won't be adding too much to a particular... Well, that's the intention, certainly, is that it'll be as good for the environment, the best way to heat my house as possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and it won't heat the whole house, but it's going to have a damn good go from the feel of it, I'll tell you, because it is lovely. So, oh, but I'm, I'm glad it worked out, because I think that, like a lot of people, you live in an urban environment, and you didn't even know if you could have a wood burner. Well, first, I, only, I only knew I could, because my neighbours had one put in about right. 10 years ago. Okay. So when I first moved in... But the law's changed anyway, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I've gone with the exempt one anyway, so I'm, I'm good as gold, yeah. basically, I, I, because it's so efficient. Yeah, and you got a lot, the right kilowattage, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So from that point of view, that's that's kind of getting the family on board with it has been really important mm. for me. And although, yeah, I'm going to be staying where I am, there's a lot I can do still mm. to be as self-sufficient as possible oh, in absolutely. my little town, you know? That, yeah. It's really important to me, so. Yeah, and for me it will change, because I won't, the pressure won't be on me to grow things at home anymore. No. And there was no, do your time. there was no way. Oh, we're not going to have any time, mate. I'm going to be knackered. I'm going to be bed. No, you won't be. But um, what? So I was going to eat some of this cheese, mate. You might have to. You, you eat. I'll you just eat. be crunching. You carry on talking, oh, mate. Minute. Listen to it. It's beer and cheese and all that here. He's not. He's sitting here with some Dairy Lee and some Pringles. No, he's not <laughs> <really>. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I don't think I'll ever. 
even if I'm going out and I'm working vegetables all day or beekeeping or whatever it is, I don't think that's going to mean that I'm not going to want to go to the woods and then muck around down there and no. make gate hurdles and all this kind of stuff. You know, I know that that's because that's the, they're, they're not they're not that. I don't think that's going to change at all. I no. think they're the things that I like doing. And what I'm hoping is that there are a few skills I want to get really good at. Mm. You know, and I'm still working on that qualification. I want to finish that forestry qualification mm. as well. Give myself a bit of kudos going forward. You know, and then if something uh, you know occurs where the, the enterprise or the business can grow into something else or pursue some different lines, I think that having some professional qualifications, whatever they are, linked to them. To the farm itself, I think would be quite good actually. Yeah. So, I'm very, very much looking forward to that. Mm. It's going to be a hell of a new year, I'll tell you that. Well, it's, it, it's got a bit of a, a bit of a stir on the old Facebook group. I have to say, there's a few few comments on there. I don't know if you get on the Facebook group very often, do you? But I've turned it off. Turn it off. You do your, this every now and then. Little hiatus from social media. Yeah, you know, shave my hair and go and live in a cave like the old yeah. man of tree. Yeah, but um. Is that what the loincloth thing's about? Yeah, today, yeah, 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 yeah. Made of, made of deer skin. Yeah. <laughs> but the... Um... Ran it over yourself, did you? <laughs> yeah, it was a small deer. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, um, yeah, every now and then I, I do find a dissatisfaction with media mm. and all of that, which is quite ironic since I'm recording a podcast. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I'm quite a reluctant podcaster, though, aren't I? I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, no, I, I, I do enjoy it. But um, I, I think that sometimes I, I get too into things, so then I have to sort of take a step back and mm. try something else or just have a little bit of a break. So, so, so social media. As, mu- as much as I've learned probably 90% of all the things that I do on YouTube, yeah. um, it's an amazing, amazing mm. resource and an amazing teaching tool. And if you're a visual learner like me, it, it could, you know, when I think, it, if I could have had YouTube when I was young... yeah. I'll be a hell of a guitarist, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <coughs> <laughs> no, 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 shut up. And, um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, the things that I've learned, I mean, um, I would never want to be without it, but I do think that somewhere along the line, I've also lost that kind of depth of inquiry that you do just by doing things rather than watching someone else do things. And, um, and that's something that I'm keen not to ever overlook. And yeah. sometimes you just got to try and get your hands dirty and, Cut yourself and make errors and all of that. Yeah, it's real yeah, learning. For in me, there. that's the. Yeah, I like <clears> a lot <throat> of that. I have to say, I like to read about it. I like to do it, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I like to. I like to watch someone doing it and then yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, I suppose we should say, what have we been doing? Well, shall we take a break and, and then, then come we'll back to come what back. Doing yeah. we'll come oh, back? I've been doing do some stuff. We'll do it back to front <laughs> episode today. <laughs> Oh, right. That's because it's well chilled out, brother. It's well, it? always well chilled out these evening ones, don't we? Anyway, we'll be back in a minute. And we're back, so part two, mate. So uh, we're talking a little bit then about what we've been doing. Do you want to just talk about the weather first? Because we would have done that at the start normally, wouldn't we? Mate, it's so mild. It's not. It's annoyingly mild. mild. It's not like winter at all, is it? No. no. It's like a sort of October day, isn't it? We had a little cold snap at the end of November because I remember I had my first frost on the last day of November. Yeah, and we had we had <laughs> a couple of days of car scraping, but it's it, it's more or less a steady ten degrees. Yeah, I look at it every yeah. day. Maybe a bit cooler when I when I start up in the, up in the mountains like I am. Yeah. <laughs> but no, when I you know ten degrees, ten degrees. Pretty much twenty four hour round as well, isn't it? Not dropping much. 
No, and I mean, it is set fair at the moment. We're in high pressure, aren't we, at the moment? But, I don't, you know, whether we get a belt of um, colder weather in February or January, February, I don't know. It's supposed to cool down a bit over the weekend, overnight at least. But, um, no, it's, but it's... you could still be out working the ground now, oh, couldn't yeah, you? Oh, easy. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely easy. I wouldn't, yeah. but you could be. Oh, you wouldn't now. <laughs> and it hasn't even been that wet, though, has but it? We haven't had the rain. This is my next thing no. I was going to say is that I notice when I'm out around the fields and hedgerows where I live, obviously after a while things become really mucky, so yeah. then you have to choose some alternative routes and things yeah. like that. But, you know, yeah, it's a bit more muddy, but not really. It's not... It's, it's Where I am, it is a bit... Underfoot, it's a lot wetter. Mm. But it's not like... Big puddles everywhere, like it can be. No, it, you know, there, there's it's the, the ground's muddy, and you might slip around a little bit, but yeah. it's not like sodden. Yeah. And we stage. have we have had a couple of good blows now, haven't we? Storm yeah. Arwen or whatever it was, yeah. and then we have had a B. What was the B? Betty. Yeah, Betty. Bet Brian or whatever. Everyone, it was. Knows. Everyone knows what you mean. So we've had a couple yeah. of storms. So a lot of the leaves are off now, aren't they? Yeah. You know, um, so it's not a bad time for making leaves. Did, you, did you hear about the the, uh, the highest pub in Britain? Yeah, it's great. Wasn't yeah, it? Such a good story that is. Get locked in up there for Get about four days. Get locked in a pub for, yeah, like three days. Was it in Derbyshire or Yorkshire or somewhere? Oh, I don't know. Somewhere up in the district somewhere, I guess. But it's, it was... Um, it was a band in it. An Oasis. An That's Oasis it. tribute an band. An Oasis tribute band. Oh, mate. Snowed into a pub for three days or something. But they reckon that they had like three feet of snow in two hours or something yeah, ridiculous. I mean, it wasn't, that's not the right numbers, but it's something ridiculous like that. That's mad. Isn't it just... Oh, yeah, but there was plenty of alcohol, but the lady wouldn't start serving a beer till two o'clock in the afternoon. Was she not? No, that's obviously fair enough. Yeah, yeah, don't want to fight over there, you can't get the cockles in to sort it out. Absolutely. It's going to crunch a bit more. You are a nightmare, mate. So, it's been dry, um, it's been very mild, um, the colours have been beautiful in the trees though, yep. but most of those are down now. All of the um, leaves are down in the coppice, mm-hmm. and I have been up there once. Um, but... One of the things that, um, you know, I've noticed is that, I mean, like my mint's still going in my garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My tomatoes are still on my vine in my untreated, um, unheated greenhouse. You know, they're just sitting there. They ain't, yeah. they ain't, they're not really doing much, but they are. They're not dead. Yeah. You know, my peppers, they're, they're not di- yeah. they've not died off. You know, there's loads of things going on. And I did, even though I knew I was moving... And obviously the allotment was going to go. I did plant a couple of beds up at mm. home, just with chard yeah. and some kale. And they're doing all right. Yeah. Both out in the open. But they're for the march, really, aren't they? Yeah. They're for when things get going. And um, and I was really late putting in some overwintering onions. But I thought, you know, I'm going to bang them in and see what happens. Mm. Just, they, they, they haven't got cold yet anyway. No. The garlic won't have vernalised either, will it? Not yet. No. So um, I just thought I'd put a bed out in those because, you know, I haven't, I won't, I won't have onions yeah. until August. So if I've got a pack of a hundred mm. um, overwintering Japanese onions, I might as well grow them as not. Well, I was talking to someone whose wife is Thai, and he works in the garden centre. Mm-hmm. So he gets the onion sets cheap, right, and whatever the staff discount is, and then he, yeah. of course he can buy up the stock that's going over as well, yeah. so get a real good discount on. And he said he he plants hundreds of them in his flower borders. Yeah. And they use them as spring onions. We just pick them when they just, want them. Just cut them and eat them when they're ready, for, when yeah, they're ready to eat them rather than waiting for them to mature, yeah. And they yeah. grow again? Or? I, I don't think so. I think that's it. But he said, because yeah. they're so cheap. Because his wife everywhere. uses, like, he, he said she'll use a whole bunch or two on a meal sometimes. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. they eat a lot of Thai food because she's Thai. And so, it's like, it saves me going out and buying some for a oh, while yeah, at least, you know. Quite decorative as well when they flower. Yeah, they're yeah. beautiful, yeah. I'll have a try. I mean, I haven't got much beds now, though. 
Not, no. not uh, flower beds. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you put them in a right in one of your garden beds, no problem. Yeah, I will. And I mean, um, it's got me thinking about the front and I probably will take the green crate bed away now because I, pro- I don't need it. <laughs> but um, what I have got is a load of soil in very handy movable containers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I might make some raised... I might make some beds, flower borders around my garden at the front and put, put that in there and stuff like that. Um, but I might grow one of the um, raised beds that's there as a big vegetable patch. Or I just might just do a load of flowers this year, mate, and just fill them up with annuals. Well, it could look quite nice, really. Dahlias, mate. Well, Such I, good I, value. I'm a sucker for a, a sweet pea obelisk. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. So I might do some of those. Yeah. I really, really like them. And... I just thought, when you come in, can you imagine not runner beans, mm. like sweet peas, mm. yeah, look incredible. They look good, yeah. yeah. It smell, it smell nice as well. How good would it smell? Yeah, yeah. I've also got this thing about moths and butterflies, yeah. and, and um, I think I might just do one thing for just bringing them in, you know. Yeah. I haven't had a buddler in my house for a long time. Well, I sowed some, I don't know if I've mentioned it yet, actually, I sowed some wildflower meadow seed in my yeah. front garden. Come up? Not yet, it's too early, but I did no. it back oh, in right. late October, early yeah. November maybe. Oh, that'd be interesting. For next year. Yeah, yeah, and then you'll have a no-cut bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, I had that list this year as well, but it was just mainly grass. But I did have some really interesting spiders in there. Yeah, oh, you will, yeah. It was a wasp spider yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. Like, yeah, oh, amazing. No. It looked just like black and yellow stripes. Yeah, incredible. Foul Not spider. Not small, are they, either? Yeah, no, big old thing. Give you a hell of a bite, that would as yeah. well. Yeah, so some interesting, really interesting uh, little things that get in there. And literally, just from leaving a patch of my grass, no just bigger than grow, like yeah. two square metres, and it's it was incredible. just, just no mow may they call it, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, didn't I just didn't mow it until the end of November, until the end of October probably, something like that. Until well, after it all flowered anyway and gone over. Well, that would definitely be something I'd be advocating when I'm managing a bit of this. We'll yeah. have areas where we don't yeah, really fallow. It's some vast well. areas of it, mate, because it makes such a difference. Yeah, makes such a difference. And you know, like like anyone who's <laughs> moved into a new house, whether it's urban, rural, whatever, yeah. the first thing I'm going to spend my time doing is actually going around mapping yep. and looking at what's there and what I've got yep. and what I haven't got and the topography and the yep. soil structure and all of that. Yep. And that's the same as if it was a big area or a small area, isn't yeah. it? And what resources are available. And yeah, it might mean then that instead of growing a little patch of carrots, I can grow a field of carrots. Yep. Or it might mean that, you know, instead of just um, utilising this little bit of forage and stuff, I could do more than that. Yeah. Um, but I know that quite soon it's going to be more work than I can probably handle. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a nice way. Yes. In a really nice I'm way. I'm sure that won't be the biggest problem you ever face, mate. Well, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. So, yeah, that's about the weather, really. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So what have you been doing then? So, obviously, not been outside very much? Um, I've been walking oh. a bit. All right. I have been walking a bit, and I've been working on my tree idents a little bit, yeah. because it's all very well seeing a tree when you can see the leaves, but... Tree idents when you can't see the leaves is a completely different. It's thing. actually my favourite time to do tree idents. Yeah, it's teaching. lovely, isn't it? But um, I have to say I've stuck to betula um, species of birch, and I've been trying to really learn the difference between downy birch and okay. silver birch. Right, okay. Um, and pro- more from a longer, more from a bushcrafting point of view, yeah. because um, I've been trying to learn some birch bark techniques. So I'm all right at my fire ignition and things yeah. like that, but. I really want to learn how to make knife sheaths out of birch bark. Okay. So I've been doing a bit of gathering of that, which just leads you to walk further and further. And when you do that, though, you start to notice other things, don't yeah. you? Other areas and things like that. So I've been doing a bit of that. Um, and I've been doing quite a lot of woodwork, been mm. carving again. And I think that, I don't, know, I don't want it to sound too kind of like hippified, but I know for me, whenever I'm going through a time like 
so it's not a stressful time, but it's a it's a transition in my life. I know that certainly I like to do things with my hands, and I find carving very meditative, actually quite therapeutic. And and for people's mental health, having those kind of um, activities that you can go back on, um, it's nice that it coincides with Christmas, so I can make some things yeah. for people for Christmas and stuff like that. But every spoon I carve, or every breadboard I make, or every whatever it is that I do, I'm learning more. You know, I'm learning more. And and I have to say more and more, I'm trying to not use machine tools. I'm trying mm. to just go to hand crafting, which is what I really, really love, I have to say. And there's a quietness in that as well. And yeah, it takes longer sometimes to saw a bit of wood or hand sand it or whatever. But for me, I like that. And I like sitting down in my little workshop and, and just making those small little bits of treen or little spoons or whatever it is and just finishing them. And yeah, they might not look, they're a bit rustic looking, most of them, but... Yeah. You know, I think that the knowledge you get by, by, by doing things by hand like that is, is really quite profound and quite deep. But what it does do, it, it gives you such reverence for those, for people who really knew what they were doing. Mate. Yeah. How someone could hand cut dovetails for a cupboard and then do another one the same in the yeah. same chair. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, my, and I, you know, I can measure, I can count, but the amount of times I'll get that wrong mm. and, and then, oh, it's just, when you when you can see people who can make cabinets or furniture or whatever, the craft is the skill level is through the roof, absolutely incredible. But um, I'm enjoying it though, so yeah. it's all right. So I've been doing a lot of that. Yeah. So I've been doing a lot of work, in, you know, making stuff, but also going out and looking at timber and stuff. Like that. I've been. Um, it sounds really boring, maybe. But I love cutting kindling. I've been sitting <laughs> cutting kindling. Go out for a couple of hours on a Saturday and cut my kindling for the month. Yeah. I love it, mate. I've still got my fingers this month, which no, is good that's, as well. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, I've, I just absolutely love it, and you kind of go through the wood block. I don't try and buy kindling, you know. Sometimes yeah. I source some. So I was dropping my daughter off to work, and there was a skip, and I'm in yeah. the skip. As soon as there's a skip, bro, right I'm, in, I'm in there. Um, but someone, had, and I think they must have been blocks for packing stuff or something like that. Yeah. So they were literally like a scaffold board cut into eight inch lengths. Yeah. So they were perfect. So just hit them with the axe and yeah. then they fall apart. Yeah. So I've got about 50 of those out of a skip. So that was like brilliant, clean pine, yeah. lovely. But I also just like going through my wood pile and finding the straightest stuff yeah. and splitting that down and bringing that in. Yeah. And um, you're going to get to learn all about this, mate, because yeah. don't be buying kindling. No. Don't be buying it. I won't be buying it, don't worry. So that's, that's really counterproductive. That is really counterproductive. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and then that led me back to the birch and... You know, don't be buying a fire lighter. Use birch bark. Mm. It's the it smells so good, mm. and it's a, better than any fire lighter anyway. Mm. So, you know, if you can get hold of some birch on a walk, um, what's that? Just take a bit of birch bark off some. Dead, don't take it off, off dead, dead, dead branches. Yeah. Well, you you <coughs> will know more than me, but um, when birch falls on the ground, mm. it rots really fast, mm. like really fast. Mm. But because the bark is full of resin. Yeah. Quite often it's still there and the middle's all gone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anything off on the floor, just bring yeah. it home. And even if it's wet and looks like it'll be fine, yeah. just dry it in a bag or whatever. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, they make birch tar pitch out of yeah. it for right. pitching canoes. It's, right. it's such okay. good stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's waterproof, Okay. but it's full of this really, this scented resin, um, you know, uh, it's got the most amazing smell it's like incense well, you know what I'm doing at the weekend now, oh, so you? going out and find some yeah, find some yeah, yeah. because right. I've obviously got the log burner and I've got options to light it mm. of course yeah. but I don't want to be using 
or the fire. No, 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 absolutely not. On those. Don't particularly want to burn too much paper in there. No. Or cardboard, really. No, no. no. So I, if I can find a natural solution like that, yeah, then I'm well up for that. But you are now. You'll be able to use your um, wax as well. Yeah. To make your own fire lighters. Yeah. You know, wax and pine cones and yeah. all these things. But yeah. birch bark for me. So you know, ideally, what you want to do is you want to cut birch logs and keep the logs for the fire and yeah. keep the bark for the kindling. Yeah. It's not really a kindling; it's a starter, really. It's a tinder, but yeah. it does make great kindling as well. Yeah. And um, birch twigs are actually probably the best kindling I know. Them laying all around my garden. Already. Yeah. I've got birch tree in my garden, so I'm just going to pull the, pick those up. Yeah, just pull it. They, they I'll are tell you the, the other best. thing, mate. It goes like the clappers. My cordyline. Oh, really? You know, like the they look a bit like palm trees. But yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a couple of those in my front garden, yeah. and the, the dead fallen yeah, leaves from those are unbelievable. Yeah, you could probably fluff them up and make. A... I'd have to. I think I'd have to almost like tie them into small bundles and cut them. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. okay. they, they're so long and kind of twisty, and they want to pop back out again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I cut them into little bundles and perhaps tie them with a bit of string yeah, or something, perfect. Perfect. I might do the job. I'll try. Yeah, and, and these are all jobs that you do in the autumn normally. You know, mm. you get things ready, but in the winter because it is so mild, yeah. there's no reason why you couldn't do that. But going for a walk and. Finding some down birch and getting those is yeah. a, it's a great thing. And, you know, it, it's just a, one of those skills, you know. And I, like I say, from a bushcrafting point of view, the birch is probably the most valuable tree because you yeah. can do so much with it. Yeah. And its firewood is pretty good. Mm. Pretty good. Very good, you know. Mm. Um, and they are so quick growing, you know. The mm. coppice, but yeah. not many people coppice birch because it's so invasive anyway. Mm. Um, but you'll, you, won't, you won't be worrying for logs anyway. No. So I've been doing that. That's probably the, yeah. the you know one of the main things I'm doing. But I've also been um, processing and cooking lots of pheasant. Mm-hmm. This certainly the last fortnight. Um, I've got a friend who's got a shoot and another friend who does beating. I haven't been out beating myself this year yet, but I will. But um, you know, I've probably done about fifty pheasants over the last yeah. couple of weeks, and um, and I've been really impressed with the quality of the birds from one of the shoots in particular. Absolutely beautiful, pristine, yeah. and. And, and again, just reiterated to me the difference between, you know, if you get that bird on Monday mm. or Sunday, shot Saturday, mm. you know, it's a much nicer product for me mm. on the Monday and the Tuesday or in the freezer. Yeah. Whereas if it goes to Thursday, Friday, especially in the heat that we've still got, yeah. Yeah. it's over for me. I can't, it's, it's too much, yeah. you know, it's too much. So um, I will try and get you some because I know you're keen to try it. Want to try it? Yeah, have a, have a go. Man. I don't think you. I think you'll just think that's just chicken. It's I right. think I, you know yeah, yeah, it, it does have a different yeah. flavour. Yeah, and the legs are not like the legs of a chicken. Yeah, nowhere near. Right, they're much much drier, much right. tougher. If I'm going to be yeah. totally well, honest, they need well, cooking they? differently. Yeah, they need cooking differently. But I've been I've been normally I would just skin a pheasant, take it off you know, the two breasts and the two leg portions yeah. and put it in a bag and freeze it. Yeah. But what I've been doing recently is putting all the breast meat in one and all the legs in the other one yeah. so that when I when I come to cook it, I might do different things with it. Now. That's what I do when I buy chickens. So I'll buy three or four chickens at a time. Right. And I'll butcher them myself, portion yeah. them myself. Yeah. Use the carcasses for stock. Yeah. And then little packs of breast meat or leg or thigh or wings or yeah. sometimes a mixture. Yeah. But they go in the freezer and then... Put them out when I eat them. Doing them what you like, yeah. Well, I, I fancy um, confit, yeah. the pheasant. That's yeah. what I'm going to have a go at. So I've got I've got enough legs now. So you know I probably won't use goose fat because goose fat's quite got its own flavour. Yeah. So I'll be doing mine in lard, probably. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> Slow oh, baked for probably oh, five hours. That sounds alright. 
with, um, you know, all sorts of things. Heart attack in a pan. Well, no. Not really I think, the last I think, I think, it, no, no, no. And that's an old homesteading skill mm. because what that actually was for was preserving meat because yep. the fat excludes the air. Yes, yeah. But what I'm going to do is I will probably do that and then... <clears throat> And then I will use, I'll probably keep them in the fridge and then I'll get them out, obviously get the majority of the lot off. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I would probably think then about maybe going down that kind of Chinese okay, yeah. shredded yeah, yeah. pheasant yeah. with this spring onion and the, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think that could be pretty good. Or pulled pheasant, it would almost be like, wouldn't it? Because it is it literally going to be yeah. falling off the bone. Yeah really well cooked as well so you know these are things to try and make yeah. the worst that's going to the worst that's going to happen is I'm going to make a beautiful stew like I do yeah. anyway and the majority of my pheasant meat goes into that and I like that I like that bit at the end of the week where you take some of the things which are you know left over in the bottom of the fridge yeah. you know your odd bits of veg here and there and you turn them into something really nice mm. just by making a really good hearty stew you know and I never make chicken stew ever no but no. pheasant stew yeah. Or a pie. Pretty good. Pretty good at a pheasant and veg pie. It's pretty tasty. You've ju- the secret is with pheasant, it is very prone to dryness. Yeah. So I don't ever just roast them really. No. So I would be putting them into a, you know, a stock and cooking them for maybe three hours, but I would in there would have to be some serious bacon or a sausage cut because it's the fat you need. It's not the water in the stew. It's the fat you need. Well, speaking of proper bacon, I've started making yeah. some more. Ooh, I haven't done that for a while. No, I, I haven't done it for a while. And I wanted to have some for Christmas. Yeah. So I picked up some meat and I was like, right, I'm going to have a go. So I've done that. And the bacon slice as well. Well, I'm gonna have to, I might have to try and bring it in and get it sliced. Cause... Yeah, that was after trouble, wasn't it? Well, I don't mind. trouble. I don't mind it. It just means you end up with big old thick old slices. which gone, isn't it? Which means it goes really quick, yeah. yeah. It's all right if you're making lardons or something yeah. like that. But if you're trying to make slices for a sandwich or for a breakfast or something. I think, I think that for me as well, having a small house with a small fridge, Yeah. Um, I've struggled to justify having it in the fridge yeah. um, for that long. But where I'm going, there's going to be the capacity to do some of these yeah. things. You know, It's not going to be on the... Realms of possibility to have a smoking yeah. house or a cold store, you know, and all of these things. So I think small things will occur, but, you yeah. know, I've got all of these things in the background from the things that we've tried and done yeah. and that you've showed me. And it'll be like, right, let's, let's see if we can do that on this yeah. for a year. To make yeah. a year's worth of bacon. Yeah. How could that work out? You know, only quite a few pigs. That's a lot of bacon in my house, a year's worth. Yeah, it is a lot, a lot of bacon. Yeah, mine. That's like... 52 kilos of bacon, mate. <laughs> have a kilo a week? I reckon Shut I, up. I reckon doing... I could do a kilo a week of bacon. No, I have half a kilo a week. I have 500 grams of bacon a week. What's that? Two of those little packs with the like, wafer I don't thin? Buy, I don't buy those. No. No, I buy mine at Tideworth. Okay. It's five pound, five pound a pound. Right. It's ten pound a kilo. But you only need two rashers because it don't shrink. Mm. It don't go anywhere. It's dry cured. Yeah. Like, like my homemade stuff, yeah. Yeah, exactly like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you need to, didn't you? Yeah, Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the pheasant stuff. But I have really enjoyed looking up pheasant recipes and looking for, um, you know, alternatives to my ubiquitous one-pot stew. Yeah. I do love a one-pot stew, though, especially this time of year. Yeah, so it does definitely change my way of cooking this oh, time yeah. of year. Yeah, so the gravy out. comes out big time. Oh, 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 oh. And a proper, no, I'm not, I'm not talking like Bisto. I'm talking like proper... Gravy. Put the trivet in under the beef or the chicken, yeah. and then make it fresh gravy from scratch. From that, it's just oh. well, the, well, the stock that I was using with the 
stew was like a vegetable sock because mm. I didn't want to put anything in it. I don't. Sometimes when I'm doing things like that, I don't actually want to put any, even a stock cube. Even yeah. though you can buy some great stock cubes, yeah. don't get me wrong. Yeah. So I make my own stock, really. Yeah. But then, like a big spoon of crab apple jelly in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just to sweeten her up, you know. That sweet and salty vibe going on is nice, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, man, getting hungry now. Well. <laughs> sitting here, sitting here drinking <laughs> beer, getting hungry, talking about presents. A lot of what I've been doing is being food prep. So batch cooking, I've been back on the cheese thing again, like, yeah. in a big well, way. Like, it's beautiful as well, al- Almost, Almost weekly, just lately. Almost weekly. So I've been... I've done a couple of batches, and I got an order for Christmas, for a Christmas gift for... Yeah colleague of ours who wanted some so I've been working on getting that right I did lose a batch though talking to oh, learning really? you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and it was my own fault and it was about using a, a cheesecloth that had been used for something else uh-huh. and um, I think it was probably something like straining elderberries from the look of it and although it looked to me like I got the staining out of the cloth I hadn't so it stained the cheese and I'm not sure if it decided to mould the cheese but I looked at it and just went no I'm not I'm not, I'm not Taking Didn't go chances. like Red Lester, no? No, no, it kind of went... Looked like Raspberry Ripple. <laughs> it was kind of more like kind of dusty grey on the outside and I was like, that just doesn't look right. So, Yeah, I wouldn't be trusting yeah, that. So I got rid of it and started again. So, that's, you know, that's what it is. But I've, Learning, I've, mate. Learning. I'm trying to, I've tried a new technique with this one, which is some tip I got from Carl over at Self Sufficient Hub who was saying that he hangs his cheese for a couple of days in the fridge after... Mm. So the, the recipe that we use is one from a, a, a sort of proprietary company that sell kits, basically. And uh, that's what I've got the culture from. And they send a recipe out with it. And basically it says you make your you know, rennet and everything else. And you hang it for 24 hours. And he was saying that if you hang it for another three or four days in the fridge afterwards, you get a kind of a thicker, creamier... Better texture. More, it is, is great. Which is clearly what we've got this time. And oh, looking at that one, we're, we're munching our way through as we're talking. Well, you have, mate. Well, no. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You have. Yeah, right, I have. We've had a white goat. <laughs> um, so, I had a big tea before I come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quality so, produce, it was. <laughs> Quality produce. <laughs> so it was, yeah, so I've been doing that. And the other big one for me has been I've been trying out making some Christmas presents. Mm. And, yeah, and I've been doing a little bit of that. Trying to make some sustainable Christmas presents, as sustainable as I can get. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm having a lot of problems with packaging. Yeah, me too. It's crap, isn't it? It's really difficult to find cost-effective packaging for Christmas gifts that's not single-use plastic. Mm. And I found that really hard. So, you know, last year I got around that problem by making my own beeswax wraps, didn't I? Yeah. And I'm not in a position to do that because I've got wax to, to render. I haven't done it yet this year, so I'm not ready to use Just it. Just use newspaper, bro. That's what I do. Well, yeah, but I can't put some of the things I've made in newspaper because it might leach the ink out and stuff, oh, which okay. is not ideal. Fair enough. Um, so I've managed to... I, I went down the making some moisturiser. Mm. I did lip balms about six weeks ago and some of our colleagues and some friends of ours were saying, oh, you know, they really like these. And then somebody said to me, can you make a moisturiser? First thing was like, well, I'm not, not great at that. I haven't done it before, but I'll have a go. You know, mm. so I've been playing around with that. I've tried a few different recipes. I think I've got one I'm reasonably happy with now. Mm. It's more of a body butter than a moisturiser. Not for all that, mate. Um, but I think I'm happy with so I'm going to be giving that away to like the teachers and TAs at my kids' school. I think some of my oh, colleagues nice. at work that, that work with me, I'm going to you know show, show my gratitude for the hard work they do by giving them some yeah, of that. Getting the body butter out. And uh, the, the lip balms, they're going to be going. And I also made some more uh, bath bombs. Yeah. And in the end, the best I could come up with in terms of wrapping was tissue paper. And so I bought some little burlap or hessian bags online, yeah. little drawstring string yeah. ones. Whatever is usable. Yeah, they're compostable. Are and, compo- and that's what I went for was the compostable. It's like actually, if you're not going to use them, they go in the compost, right? Yeah. Um, 
And so I've got kind of the stuff, and I've got glass jars for the moisturiser. They've got plastic lids, but I couldn't get around that. Uh, and I, the, the lip balm's the difficult one, because that is like aluminium tins, and that's not very good. Get plastic tubes, that's not very good. So I ended up with going, and I'm not, it's not, wouldn't be my ideal choice, but I went with the uh, aluminium, uh, the plastic tubes in the end, mm. which is, theoretically they're reusable because you can wash them out and start again, but the reality is they probably won't be. No, people will lob them, won't they? Yeah, but yeah. I suppose, you know, things like body products are probably one of the hardest things to, to get right because there's that element of hygiene that, you know, yeah. you don't want to be getting your body butter out of a peanut butter jar, probably, no, no. even though you could. Theoretically, yeah. yeah, and so it's just about having that, having that kind of um, availability of saying to someone, you know, when this is finished, yeah, give it back or yeah, yeah, or whatever. If you don't want it, I'll have it back. Don't chuck it in the bin. Don't yeah. recycle it. Just send it back. And that's what I do with the egg boxes. It works relatively well. So I potentially could do that with the aluminium ones. Yeah, but the, the other thing as well is that we're we're kind of conditioned to to expect products to look a certain way. Oh, very much so. So. One of the things that I did was I found some nice brown glass jars for the moisturiser, for example, yeah. which looks, I mean, obviously they're not packed in brown glass jars anymore, it tends to be plastic again, but it looks a bit more like something you might buy in the shop, yeah, like yeah. a body shop or somewhere like that, yeah, which yeah. is perhaps a bit more kind of people are going to recognise that yeah. more recognisable as something yeah. that, it is, that it's supposed to be. And the other thing about it is that I found that it, it's very personal, Yeah. so people's skins are different, which blew my mind when I found that out, I was like, what? How does that work? Of course, they are, when you think about it, it's like, it makes perfect sense, right? Well, even I knew that, mate. Well, yeah, but I'm not that. I don't no, no, I've got two older daughters. Mate, you, I don't think about your skin too much, I've got to be honest. I bet you do. <laughs> Talking about my loincloth earlier, right? <laughs> I, I could do it, so just stop the chafing. I could do it some moisturiser. Um, well, I've got my 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 um, <laughs> gifts have been very much making things out of timber and stuff yeah. like that. Um, yeah, and so and I'll keep doing that. But I have scaled up a little bit and done a few little boxes and some more old heritage kind of stuff, you know. And uh, one of the things that um, li- literally came about from that was trying to learn some different joining techniques and yeah. stuff like that, and not having to rely on hardware. So. Yeah. I made a load of wooden dowels and I've been just gluing and doing some gluing and doweling joinery and yeah. stuff like that. Just trying to, trying to minimise what I've got to buy. I don't want to have to buy how nails. How do you make a wooden dowel? You make, how do you make a wooden dowel? Yeah. What, a round piece of wood? Wait, but it's like, it's like long and... I've got a lathe. Oh, okay. But you can just carve them. Well, yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking, I, was just like, I could drill a hole out, I'll get that. Yeah, that's easy. But then you've got a carpet so the other way, fit in, right? Yeah. So the other way you can do them is there are actually dowel jigs, right. which are just a series of holes. Okay. And then you get a mallet. You yeah. put a slightly larger stick over the hole right. and beat just it through the hole. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I used to make um, raked tines. Okay. You know, yeah. ash rakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I used to make them. Right, okay. Um, I'd love to have a go at that one. Yeah. Um, or you can literally carve. I mean, mine are small. They're not like wavy yeah. ones, but yeah. you can just carve them by hand. Yeah. Um, like every iron. oak building and ship yeah. will be held right, together yeah. with pegs made of yeah. oak. Yeah. Unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. They use a big sort of like long one with a slight tapered edge, so then you yeah. put the thing on it, bash it yeah, in, yeah. and it goes down yeah. into a basket underneath. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's someone's job. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Even so much as I'm gonna go off for one now. Even so <laughs> much even so much as that when they were doing oak framing, yeah, yeah, you'd actually purposefully cut the holes so that they weren't quite right. <laughs> Mm. So that when then you push the dowel in, it would make them go right. Really, to squeeze pull it, it, pull it yeah. tight. Yeah, 
That's wow. the level of so make errors on purpose, <coughs> yeah, so that it works better. Wow, that's bonkers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. you're doing timber framing. That's what you're doing. Oh, it's clever, isn't it? Oh, it's next level stuff. Unbelievable skills, yeah. unbelievable skills. And there's me whittling bloody little one inch, <laughs> one inch four mil pegs, <laughs> making shavings oh. so you can light your fire. Make good shavings. Yeah, yeah, I bet. That's the other thing. My floors like kindling. Yeah, no problem. Shed floor broth. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah. So they're the things that I've been doing. Basically, woodworking and pheasant dealing with yeah. but, but you know there's always that thing of the first pheasant of the year and, uh, and the feelings that come with that and, yeah. and the kind of pheasants don't sit easy with me because they're no, not we wild we talked about this, literally this time last year yeah, we talked they're about not wild. Length, didn't we yeah, yeah they're not wild no. they're not wild but they sit easy with me because I don't go out and spend 300 grand on shooting pheasants for the day or whatever yeah. silly money is yeah. and it is something which is going to be wasted yeah. And so for me, that's the bit I can't handle. Yeah. It's very different from me walking up with a 12 bore in, a, in an afternoon or in the morning yeah. on, on a farm looking for one or two that are going to go back into my pot or a rabbit. It's not the same thing as going on a 10 gun whiskey fueled pheasant hunt. That sounds like, <laughs> sounds like your thing, doesn't it? I've got that. But, you know, it. I, it doesn't sit easy with me, but what really wouldn't sit easy with me is knowing that those birds weren't going to do anything. Yeah, yeah. And so if someone says someone offers me them, I will take them, and then I will try and do them real justice. And 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 you know, and I really enjoy pheasant meat. Yeah, I really do enjoy it. And because I can't eat fish as well, it's a really mm. easy source of protein. Mm. I haven't had a venison yet, though, mate. I haven't had no old bright eye Bambi, whatever Bambi. I haven't seen a Bambi yet. Um, but it, that'll come. Yeah, of course that'll it will. That'll come. I've had a couple of near misses, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've seen a few. Oh, there was one, man. It was just too big. Couldn't get in. It was a massive yeah. stag. I couldn't get it in the car. It was too big. I did about five people to lift it. I'll tell you what, it would have been some proper venison steaks on that yeah. bad boy, though. It was huge. Um, but one will come along. Yeah. One will come along. And, uh, and, I, and you know, I know that we spoke New Year's about resolutions. We might do a whole podcast. We'll do, we'll do the next, next, next episode. Year, be so, certainly talking about yeah. protein was one of mine. And the plan for next episode really is to do kind of a wrap up of Urban Homestead in UK. Boom. Certainly season one, and then do our kind of look back at the last mm. year and the, the plans we laid down back in January. Tell you what, mate, we've come far, aren't we? We've come a long way. We really have, and and just have a look back at where we were and where we wanted to be and whether we've achieved those goals. But also perhaps to set some for the, the coming year. Uh, yeah. And then, then we'll close down for a little while and we will come back. Once you've had a chance to get set up with what you're doing, well, we'll come back and we'll, we'll talk think, about with a new name. I think it would be really good for me would be to bring people on that journey. So I don't mind waiting. And I know that I might be talking about things on a slightly different level because of the things that I will be doing might not be something that everyone can experience. Mm. But there's always going to be those other things. But the feedback that actually was really interesting because I thought that as well and I was worried about that a little bit because obviously, you know, we're coming from the urban homestead and we've always talked about it being small scale and I know that you live more and much more rurally than I do but very much small scale homesteading and now we're not going to be. But some of the feedback we have was really positive mm. on that in the sense that we can now like run the whole gamut of mm. small scale, inner town. Al, you know that you're probably going to be more... Effective ground in your allotment that I am in a whole farm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but I've grown five kilos of tomatoes. How many have you grown? Oh, like five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but I, I, I mean, you know, and I'm looking forward to the 
to seeing you do it and seeing how you do it. And I know people that are listening to us. Yeah, hopefully. And I'm looking forward to the benefits that might come my way of you they doing will. it. Like I'll come and get my goat's, cheek, goat's yeah. milk from you. Thank you very much. Oh, absolutely. The supermarket. But, and that, will, that <clears> will have an impact on what we are able to do. And that might mean that we got some advantages over some mm. other people but people will have advantages over us in other areas though. but remember you know we're this is a journey isn't it yeah you know yeah. this is what this whole podcast has been about yeah, yeah, yeah. is that when we first started this podcast we were in one place and yeah. now we're in somewhere else but yeah. it's not all about it just being small scale is it no no it's about the journey and about yeah, what you yeah. can it's about, about the story I guess isn't it and yeah absolutely. hopefully people enjoy listening to us yeah, and for me, I know that the principles behind what we did at the beginning, they won't ever go away. <clears throat> and in fact, if anything, they might well get accentuated in the long run, mightn't they? Well, I hope so, and I hope the impacts that yeah. we might be able to have might be might be more profound as well. Hopefully, mm. that's the idea, anyway. Yeah. So I've I've been doing a lot, a bit like you. You've obviously preparing for your new venture. I've been doing similar in a way. Yeah. In that I've been trying to get together the things that I need for this log burner, yeah. And I and I did have a little little moment there where I had to try and figure out how I'm going to put a hearth into my house. Yeah. I, there's no fireplace in my house. 1980s houses. Yeah. Had a, it once upon a time had a gas fire in there with a flue. So you had a flue. No, well, I had a, a little hole through the wall. All oh, right. Yeah. Where, where the flue for the gas fire went out, uh, and that's long been been taken out. But the hole in the wall was still there behind an electric fireplace and mantelpiece that had been put in. So I'd take all that out. So then I said, well, how am I going to put a hearth in? And of course, we've got laminate floor down. Yeah. And the laminate floor's old and it needs replacing. So I couldn't very well put the hearth on top of the laminate no, floor. No, definitely. And then I think it might it. melt. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that risk as well. So I then was like, well, I've got, I'm going to have to move that and I'm going to have to take it out. And, uh, you know, in the past, certainly when I was a young man, I'd have been like, well, I have to get someone in to come and do that for me because there's no way. Yeah, but you just smashed it out, didn't you? So, well, I... <laughs> Fun enough, I was talking to someone and he said, what you need is an oscillating saw. Yeah, brilliant. And I went and got one. Good, are they? Absolutely blown what away we, by this. What, they do loads of things, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, got, it's a multi-tool, basically. So I've got all these different attachments, like nine yeah. different attachments. They're brilliant, them. aren't they? I've, I've completely wrecked the oscillating saw blade doing this. But it oh, took, yeah. Took you out can buy another one of them. Well, I put the, the half where I wanted it, marked it out, cut round it, and zip, 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 all around bosh. the outside, bosh, done. And yeah, I've, it's, a, you know, it's a little bit wonky in places. It's not, it's not clean, but I could bead it up again if I wanted to. But the reality is, in the new year, I'm just going to take it up, put carpet down, yeah, probably. So right. we'll, we'll try it with the log burner in there and see how, how clean we can keep it. Yeah. Because I'm worried about putting the carpet in and spending lots of money and then ruining it in half an hour. Um, Got to get a rug, man. Oh, I'll get a rug, yeah. For the yeah. dog, bruv. Yeah. Oh. But I bet, has he found it yet, the wood burner? <laughs> no. Oh, that's it. It'll be the cats. I'm worried about the cats jumping on top of it. No, they won't jump on it. No, they're not. But your dog, once he's got his bed, you're like that. Zedding right in front of him, mate. You won't get a look in. You'll be sat sat like three miles away and all the animals will all be around the wood burner. (laughs) Well, I haven't haven't yet got to burn (gasps) it properly because the first few burns have to be like small amounts of wood to try and let the 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 metal expand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and do its thing. So I've had to just do these little fires so far. So I've got a another one of those to do and then I can start burning properly at the weekend yeah like, pile it up mate yeah yeah just like really but yeah, good to be honest though it's not going to be cold enough to need anything more than that's a beside log. the point mate it's beside the point it's just going to need a little bit of kindling and a log no not that's one log you've got to proper go for it mate yeah. get a good ash bed in there yeah well we'll, we'll get, we'll get, get your there. kettle next mate yeah so I'm on it I'm on it I'm looking. so I've been I've been researching chainsaws 
Oh, have you? Now you're talking. How long have we been recording? We've been, it could be like about an hour. It could be so like a nine-hour podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So I've been and I looked at some of the recommendations you gave me, and yeah. I've said to my good lady wife that you know, if maybe for Christmas I could have a chainsaw. Oh man, it would make me smile. So we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, what did you go for? The one you suggested. Yeah, yeah. I do think it's a good saw, um, but like all things, what you'll learn are a whole host of skills. Mm. So anyone can get a new saw, cut it. And maybe do, you know, a day's cutting. Yeah. But then what? Yeah. Then what? Are you going to buy a new chain or are you going to sharpen your old chain? Yeah. Are you going to learn how to do that? Are you going to learn how to take it apart? Are you going to learn all the maintenance? Yeah, yeah you are. Because yeah. if you do that, your chainsaw will last, you know, 10 years rather yeah. than one year. Because yeah. it's very easy to break a chainsaw as well, I have to say. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was just all the subsidiary skills that came about after yeah. it. I loved it. I loved all of that. Yeah. Loved all of that. And, um, oh, man. I bought you a great book yeah. for Christmas. It'll be there soon. Nice. It'll be there soon. What's that? Oh, mate, serious. And the other serious. thing I'm looking forward to is my splitting more. I've asked Ooh, my folks to get yeah. it. That's the bit I'm most excited about. Well, have you got a good, have you got a good block? No. That's the, that's the thing, man. Yeah. That's the thing. And I know that you're thinking of processing most of your wood in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. But you'll always have to cut kindling at home. Yeah. So then you have that big old knotty oak or pine you know, knee eye. Find that somewhere. Well, I know where we'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go and get it. Go and cut it, will you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With your new chainsaw. Yeah. That's what we'll do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Be great. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That's good. That's really exciting. And it's a little fun, something to look forward to for the new year as well. Yeah. And and, okay, um, yeah, and then getting yourself your PPE sorted out yeah. and um, and reading a few bits about it and stuff like that. And then just, just going out for a few days and having a, starting really small and building it up. And uh, there's a lot of confidence in owning and using a chainsaw, I think. Mm. I still haven't had that moment where I'm driving and there's a fallen log in the road oh, and I have to save you, someone. You I know? must have told you at the time. Back when we used to keep our bees up near the station, mm. I was going up there one night to go after school, after work, to go and, go and check on the bees, right? So yeah. I was trying to shoot up there because it's in the wrong direction and it gets it's getting late. Yeah. Let's get, get it done and get home. I need a little job to do. Going down the road from near your place yeah. down towards the station. Yeah, yeah, Stonegate Road. And there's a tree that had fallen <laughs> over, like not ten minutes before. And it was it was about six foot high. <clears throat> yeah. Across the top of so it's where the road's sunken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's raised on the other side, and the trees come down and it's resting across the top of the road, right, about yeah. six foot high. Right? Sunken laney round. Yeah. And so <laughs> I'm, I pull up behind it in my car, right? This was I mean, it must be if I'm going up there on my own, it must yeah, be it must be a lot five years ago. At least, least that, yeah, right. And um, so I'm sitting there thinking, well, what the hell am I going to do now? You know, I might be able to squeeze under, but the car yeah. in front ain't, and the one on the other side ain't. So within about three minutes, four people go out of the car with various cutting implements. Yeah, good lad. <laughs> That's that is where I roll, roll, mate. I couldn't believe it. Like literally, within five minutes, the road was clear again. Yeah, and I bet all the logs was in the back of someone's van. Yeah, well, I think I put to the side of the road. But by the time I went up there the next time, they're gone. gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> went up there a week later. I think they're gone. It's the it's a it's a it's a good tool to have in your, yeah. in your truck, mate. As a little chainsaw. Like it, was, it was someone had a little pruning saw. Someone had bow saw. It was yeah. all hand tools. All oh, right, oh, no right. chainsaw. It was all hand tools. But they literally about four people, I think. Definitely need a good bow saw, but you yeah. probably got one. I have somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely need yeah. a good bow saw. Yeah, but um. Oh, well, that's, that's how we that's roll out where I live, mate. Oh, I'd have great if I'd have just got out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Chained up, chucked in the back of the car. Off we go. Thank you very much. Oh, it's a real... And, and maybe, you know, to bring the whole episode back round. Yeah. 
when we were talking right at the beginning, we were talking about it being quite a downtime. Mm. But this, that is the one thing that you can go and that you're supposed to go and do now. Yeah, is cut wood yeah. for next winter. I'll tell you the other thing you're supposed to go and do now. What's that? Light the fire and sit in front oh, of yeah. it, mate. There's supposed that. to be a bit of that. Yeah. And I think there's a lot you to be said. For can that. only do that when you've got the wood in from last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I love going out in the winter and cutting the wood yeah. for next year. I mean, that's a big river, isn't it? Yeah, that's a yeah. big river. Yeah, to get into. But, but you know me, I like that kind of delayed gratification of. Well, we'll sometimes it's two years, for, you know. Yeah, but I've got no problem with that. Sometimes you know? if you're cutting real, you know, heavy oak and stuff like that, yeah. that does want two years. I might be able to brew wine for five years' time, yeah, you know. So it's, uh, that's what it's for. You, you're planning well in advance. And, planning uh, in advance. And actually that's paid off this year because I'm harvesting from the allotment still. Harvested Brussels sprouts and kale. Yeah. And I've had some yeah. Romanesco and a little bit of purple spray and broccoli coming through occasionally, which shouldn't be. Oh, but got it all to come, Confused mate, by the weather, mate. But got it all to come. And uh, leeks, I mean, some nice cabbages. You're eating leeks, are you? Cabbages, leeks yeah. and cabbages. Yeah, I've got some That's nice it. cabbages coming through. They're not quite as big as I'd like yet, so I'm leaving them for the minute. But they'll, they'll be ready for Christmas. Right, what, sorry? Those beetroot that I had. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're a bit softer now. Yeah, but they, I've just put them in a net and they're hanging yeah. in the porch. So I was just yeah. eating one of them a week. Yeah, brilliant. They're still fine. Yeah, December. Yeah, and I'm still eating tomatoes. Yeah, I know that's amazing. I can't believe it. Mate. I probably have got tomatoes in my greenhouse. Yeah, my, the ones I've got now are starting to get a bit soft, but you still make sauce out of them. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't slice them now, but you make, make they make a bit of bruschetta. Yeah, you scramble them up. Just yeah, rather than roast them or just just Ooh, yeah. cook them down and then a bit of garlic. Talk about food again, bro, mate. That's what life's all about, isn't it? <laughs> right, right. We need to get out of here, don't we? So. Thanks ever so, ever so much, everyone, for listening. Um, we are, we've had a go. We had a bit of a ramble tonight. Uh, it's a bit of a ramble, but I think you know it's just that time of year. It just feels like a rambling time of year, mate. Nice. You know, sitting in front of the fires, couple of drinks, bit to eat, bosh, talk nonsense. It's what we do, mate. It's what we do. <laughs> um, so if you enjoyed listening, we will be back in. Uh, I imagine two or three weeks' time. Yeah, we'll try and get something out where we will do our review of the year and, and we'll talk a bit about what we've been up to and, and kind of just evaluating where we got to with the targets we set ourselves and those objectives we had. Uh, and that will be the last of the Urban Homestead and UK podcast episodes. In disguise. For this, guys. And we will be looking to come back at some point in January with a new name and, uh, well, some new exciting stuff to talk about. It's just going to be like called Farmers Weekly or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, is it? <laughs> Mad bloke and a tractor. I don't know. You're going to have to come up with some good names, mate. You're going to need a nickname. I think we should leave it all, though. I think, you know, it might just become the homesteading podcast. Well, that's what I was thinking, to be honest. (laughs) Mind you, that name might be taken, might it? I don't think it is, believe it or not. What? The homesteading podcast. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. I don't think it is. I couldn't believe it either. Yeah, I bet UK homesteading's taken, isn't it? I don't think it is. Oh, really? No, oh, there's not many. The home, a lot of the, a lot of it is. There's not actually many in this genre. There's a few modern ones. Modern one on a farm, one in a garden. I think. Could be anything, could it? That's a bit long-winded, that mate. One in a farm, one in a garden. <laughs> That's a little bit, perhaps inappropriate. But anyway. <laughs> We'll come up with something, but uh, maybe people could put that on uh, well, on the on the on the Facebook group. Well, you got any good ideas for no, a new name, name for yeah. us? Yeah, 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 yeah. Two old farts and a hoe. Two old... <laughs> Chain nonsense. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, if for any strange reason you've enjoyed listening to this, thank you so much for listening to the end. Squeaky wheelbarrow boys. I don't know. <laughs> Can tell who the creative is in this part. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> well, we'll be back in a few weeks, and we'll speak to you soon. Take See care. See you now, bye. So, thanks very much, everyone, for listening through to the end of another episode of uh, the Urban Homestead in UK podcast. 
you've enjoyed what you're listening to, please come and join us on our Facebook group. Uh, you can come find us on Urban Homestead in UK on Facebook. Uh, come and find us on Instagram and uh, all those other good places. Please tell your friends about us and uh, do come and listen again. Thank you. Bye-bye.